When it comes to wings, everyone knows size does matter. No one knows it better than Wings Etc. Grill and Pub in Niles. Wings Etc. has the biggest, meatiest, award-winning jumbo wings in town. Choose from a wide selection of signature wing sauces, including our crazy hot habanero wall sauce. If you love wings and a whole lot more, come to Wings Etc. Niles to watch your favorite sports all year long. Wings Etc. Niles, official game fuel for high school sports. Find us at 2008 South 11th Street in Niles or online at wingsetc.com. For the best in high school sports, RC Sportscast. And welcome to the RC Sportscasting Podcast, Coach's Corner Edition, our first of the 2023 football season. I am your host, Rob Klingeman, as we will be talking with Niles Viking football coach Scott Shaw, Brandywine football coach Justin Kinsey, and Buchanan head football coach Mark Fry, as we will talk about the season opener that all three of these teams had last week. As to really to go to the scoreboard, it was uh, our coaches went two and one last week. The Niles Vikings started off things in a big way as they routed rival St. Joe 55 to nothing in their season, not only their season opener, but their home opener on their first game on the new turf. Brandywine fell to a very tough Waterville Elite team uh, 19 to six in a game that we'll talk to Coach Kenzie here in a little bit as a game that the uh, Bobcats played their hearts out and really played and outplayed Waterville for a good part of the game, but turnovers was uh, just too hard to overcome in that one. And then the Buchanan Bucks, they dis- suffered a tough loss to Saugatuck by the score of 23 to 15, I believe was the score on that one. So those are our scores from around the area. And we will be talking first to Niles Viking football coach Scott Shaw. And, uh, Coach, welcome to Coach's Corner. This is the first time you and I have met. I've been looking forward to this. And, wow, you guys you, you guys have got things rocking and rolling back over in, in the city limits. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's great to be here. Uh, and thanks for having us. And, uh, uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a good start. We got off to a good start. We uh, – had things going our way this, uh, especially right from the get-go, uh, Friday night. But it, you know, uh, you've coached before, so you know that all these things that have happened uh, Friday had uh, had their seeds sown long ago. So, <laughs> coach, it had to feel last year, obviously, with the construction of the new field turf at Niles. You guys never got a home game last year. I know tentatively they were hoping that maybe you were going to be able to play the last regular season game and then the play and then playoffs if possible, which that ended up not being the case. So to finally have to be able to play on your home state, not just not just the new turf, but you were just home. I mean, right. it's so much there's so many things that go into how much more ease it is um, playing at home. Right. It, you know, it, it 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 was great to be at home. Uh, we spent 11 games in a row on the road last year and became pretty good road warriors by the time it was over. But uh, it was nice to get home. I think our kids were excited about uh, uh, playing on our own field. Uh, I know the community was, they showed out, and uh, they were they were glad to see uh, a home game, I, I think, as well. Because, uh, you know, uh, the, the, every week when you go to Otsego and Plainwell, those, those, are, those are trips. And, uh, uh, you know, it was just good to just good to have somebody come to our place and uh, walk out of the locker room and be able to play. 
Let's hit the rewind button a little bit and go back to last season uh, where this all kind of started. And, and obviously you guys uh, went 5-4 and four last year. You get in the playoffs. You win your second playoff game, I believe, in school history and then uh, went on to face Edwardsburg in a game. We Actually, I did broadcast the, uh, the Edwardsburg game um, to where you played your – I mean, it was a complete difference in night and day between when you played them in the regular season and the playoffs – um, you take that one interception away, I'm not too sure you win that football game, to be honest with you. But, regard, I mean, you never want to say a, mor a, a loss is a moral victory, but I think the way you guys competed with Edwardsburg last year in that playoff game really springboarded you into this season. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that, that game in itself, it, uh, it set a standard for what we wanted to, how we wanted to play. And really, uh, we won, uh, I think, five five in a row at near the end of the year. and uh, Defensively, we started playing a lot better. Offensively, we just got tons better in those last five games. And uh, uh, I think kids started to catch on to what we were trying to do. You know, at the beginning of the year, we were still young. We had two freshman offensive, gu offensive guards, and uh, our offensive line was very young. So over the course of the year, uh, they grew. Uh, our, our, our other young kids grew into their roles. So... You know, after after about five games, uh, you know they were no longer freshmen. We told them, you know, hey, you guys got to get the older quick. The yellow rookie tape is pulled off. Right, right, and yet now you're just players. So uh, when that happened, uh, uh, we got a lot better. Uh, things started going. Uh, our practices got better. Uh, we, you know, our performance in games got better, and uh, I, I think our confidence each week you could see it go up and up and up and and this this is what we told them at the end of the year uh and all through the winter was that uh where we finished last year in other words we don't want to rewind and come all the way back to the beginning we want to start this next year which is this year right where we finished last year and i think for the most part uh <laughs> we did so i think mission accomplished there coach as you guys come in here with with saint with longtime rival saint joe i mean my own personal history, growing up with my dad, who covered Niles football for so many years, I've, I really think one of the first football games that I ever went with my dad to would have been back in the very early 80s. I'm going to say 80, 81-ish. And I remember going up to St. Joe and like a, it was a double overtime loss. And then I remember going down and to the locker room afterwards to see Coach Dave Davidson. And, I mean, the players were crying. I mean, it's like... That was like my first memory of Niles football. I'll never forget that. And it's how I can remember it was a double overtime loss, but I do. Um, so the, a lot of history there between Niles and St. Joe, even though you're not in the same conference anymore. Very solid squad last year. And I'm not going to lie, I think before we went to last Friday night, I was when I was talking to people about Niles this year, and from what I heard about St. Joe, I'm like, you know what? I said, I kind of think that that might be their only stumble maybe. I said, I can see them maybe losing to St. Joe and then running the table after that. Holy cow, 55 to nothing. Yeah. So we, we got off to a great start. I mean, absolutely. Uh, uh, our, our kids were ready to play, uh, you know. And, I, you know, St. Joe, they had a great year last year. And, you know, you can't, you know, it's new kids. Uh, we, had, we were fortunate enough to have – what, 23 or 24 starters back yeah. uh, that started at one point. So uh, it makes it a lot easier at that point for us, I think, than it did uh, it did for them. But, you know, they're an established program and, 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 and things, and our kids, uh, 
you know, they, they didn't want to lose. I mean, regardless of, I, I know St. Joe lost a lot of players from last year, but still, it's St. Joe. I mm-hmm. mean, they've got a, a just a phenomenal program up there. They're, they're one of the, of the standards yep. around this area with St. Joe, Lakeshore, Edwardsburg. So I, I don't care how many kids. For you guys to come in there and whop them 55 to nothing is a huge statement and yeah. a huge credit to you, your staff, and most importantly, your players because you and your staff can only do so much. The players still got to make the plays. Yep come Friday night, and they obviously did that. Well, and I think if we, if we as coaches can put our kids in a position to make a play uh, and, and they successfully complete that, that goes a long way. You know, a lot, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, you're calling plays, it's kind of like what, what's going to work, what's going to work. Uh, I, I think we're to the point now where we have confidence in, in seven, eight, maybe nine plays, two or three schemes, but nine plays. And uh, we run those pretty well. And our kids, you know, they're, they're begging for some of them because, you know, they want, they, they right. want to run that particular play. Uh, we're pretty physical, which is good. Uh, we're pretty uh, – uh, our, our quarterback, Talon Brawley, does a tremendous job of, of running the offense. I mean, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a fun thing to watch now where he'll go through first read, keep, second read, pitch, or keep, and – uh, I mean, that, that's the beauty of the triple option that uh, I've come to enjoy is that uh, uh, they can't take one guy away. And, uh, you know, and we've got, fortunately, we've got four guys who are in direct proximity to the ball, and all of them can take it to the house at any time. Before we go into Friday night and, and talk about some of your players for this, I, w- I want to still go reflect back to last year. Was there a certain point? I mean, obviously, you talked about, you know, you had a rough start, and then you, you had that long winning streak. Was there a certain game, a certain point, and a certain game where you really you saw everything flip? Yeah, uh, our Plainwell game. Uh, up there, we won in overtime. We had it won in regulation, and they came back and, and put a, a little bit of a quick drive together and scored. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've, at that point, I'm – you know, we're talking like let's not let's not get disappointed. Our you know, let's not let our season go here. Uh, we uh, we had to rally there, and, and we ended up winning in overtime. And at that point, from there that point on, we we clicked. Uh, the next, I mean, four of those five. Uh, I think we scored forty-seven points or more, four out of five games. The next the next five. So. Uh, and defensively, we were playing well, and uh, I think our kids at that point said, "You know, this enough of this. We can do this." And uh, uh, I, I think that if and we as coaches have talked about that. When you look back at that point, that's the point because the next week, you know, Paw and uh, Otsego and uh, Three Rivers again in the in the uh, playoffs uh, was a great turnaround for us as well uh, because we uh, we played much better against them the first time. Uh, you know how coaches are. You know, you, you look at two or three plays during – we could have had three rivers the first time around. Right. But we were still young. Uh, once our – you know, and, and, and again, once our kids and, – and I say young, we're still young, but we are an experienced young uh, at this point. So uh, – which is better than being, <laughs> you know, fresh off the boat. So, right. Uh, they uh, – but that, I think that's the point that uh, – it really turned things around. It was that overtime win at Playwell. And then obviously we talked about then the playoffs, you know, the win at Three Rivers, um, and then the, the tough loss, but you competed with Edwardsburg that springboarded you now into this 55 to nothing season debut win over St. Joe. 
some of your players, I mean, you've got a loaded stable, Coach. I mean, it starts with Sam Rucker. You've, yep. you've already talked about Talon Brawley. You've got Hess. I mean, you've got a very good stable, but it all still also starts in line. But I'll, I'll talk about some of your players. Yeah, well, uh, you know, in our backfield, uh, we've got uh, Julian means Allen, who's – uh, started, I believe, as a freshman the year before I got here. Uh, so, you know, he's coming on to, as a four-way start or a four-year starter. We've got two fullbacks in uh, 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 Paul Hess and Caden Gerard. Uh, they both had great games Friday. Uh, Sam Rucker had an unreal game. Uh, offensively, he had 100 and almost 190 yards on seven carries, and uh, it was amazing, blocks well, and had two fumble recoveries. So... Uh, and uh, Talon Brawley, who runs it all, you know, runs the whole show. And up front, you know, we, we our, our offensive line, you know, you start there with Riley Cowan and and uh, Brandon Hamilton and Jimmy Guy at center. Uh, again, uh, Brandon and, and Jimmy, well, they're all, and, and, and uh, Chase Brawley at left guard. Though Brandon and Chase were for, are just sophomores, and they played a lot of football already. Uh, and then we've got, uh, uh, you know, the, the, at tight end, we've got uh, uh, Michael Chisonga and, and Max Rucker filled in uh, great uh, on Friday. And uh, it, just uh, good guy, good kids, good kids, and work hard. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love, love them to death and love their effort to death. So Talk about your staff a little bit. Um, you, you've put yourself together a great staff. Uh, you've got some former head coaches on that staff. Um, you've got one of the greatest to ever play in a Niles Viking uniform, one of the greatest high school players I've ever seen, um, and Lonnie Jones coaching your running backs. And by the way, I, I seen they, they paid tribute to him at your pep rally, which I was sitting there because I was, I was telling you before we started this, um, back in 2001 was my first year of broadcasting with my dad at WNIL. And um, my first broadcast that we – the way we did it back then was my dad and Chris Gessinger did all the Niles games live on Friday night. Larry Pickles and, and I would do a Brandywine or Buchanan game on tape delay, and we'd, okay. we'd do this coach's corner right. on Saturday, and then we would uh, do the, t- the, the tape delay game. But for, I, I don't understand what the reasonings. Somehow Larry and I got to do the Niles game live. I think it was week two or three of that season, and it was at Sturgis. My very first call of a Niles Viking football game in my broadcasting career, Lonnie Jones takes the opening kickoff to the house. Uh-huh. And, and to watch him develop over, I mean, that was, I believe that was his sophomore year. So I got to watch him for three years. And then watching that, when they did the tribute and they read off all of his stats, I was sitting there going, oh. And I'm like, man. And, like, I, I completely forgot. I don't even know if I realized that when they had that playoff win at Sturgis that he rushed for 355 uh-huh. yards in that game. Um, so I just, t- just to kind of focus on Lonnie real quick, I mean, he's a great guy. I actually had a chance to our nine to five jobs. Lonnie and I actually got to work together for several months here. He, he just left uh, where we used to work together, and now he's working with um, at the juvenile center with working with troubled kids in South yeah. Bend, which is right up Lonnie's alley. I mean, he's great with kids, and he's just a perfect wow. role model figure for that type of job. But him and I got to work together a little bit and actually got to become friends um, and, I, and I love the dude, and to see him getting a tribute like that was really special. Yeah, he, Lonnie's a great guy. Lonnie's a, a, he's, he's really good with the kids. Uh, I come from an eye background, 
So I really appreciate what Lonnie is as a runner. And, you know, and those, uh, those stats they threw out. And I've had a lot of good tailbacks, but I heard those too oh. for the first time. And, uh, my, you know, my jaw dropped. Uh, uh, he, you know, he, he was a great uh, high school athlete and uh, one of the greatest how, running backs how around is, here. How is he as a coach and, and his interaction with the, oh, he's today's great. players? He's great. And uh, his interaction, he, he gets along with kids. He's very, very, very good uh, with them. Uh, plus his knowledge of, uh, you know, just mechanics of, of how to run uh, and things like that. I mean, you could see, you could see our fullbacks especially uh, make that jump cut that he teaches them. He works with them every day. Uh, he'll, you know, that jump cut into, into a hole, into a window, and, uh, you know, with their pads down and things like that. So, you know, he, uh, he's very knowledgeable about the game, and he's very knowledgeable about his position and uh, just, does a, just does a great job. A, little bit, a few more guys from your stand. Now, Danny Brawley's. Danny Brawley's there. So he's an offensive line coach. Yeah, he's done. He's done wonders with our offensive line, and uh, uh, those kids come off the ball, and and uh, you know he gets after them, and, and, and as as he should. Da Danny's no offensive lineman either. No, no. <laughs> uh, he was a quarterback. Yeah. But as a quarterback, you understand where your offensive lineman should be. Right. Uh, and, and things. So, uh, you know, he's done. A, he's just done a fantastic job. Kyle Michael, who will be. A head coach one day, uh, you know, very knowledgeable again and hardworking and, uh, uh, you know, runs our defense and does a great job there. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, two years ago when we were really struggling offensively and defensively and, you know, when we put this stuff in and, uh, you know, defensively we, we, you know, we pride ourselves on how many kids we can get on the ball uh, at any one time. And, uh uh, that that's a that's a great thing that Kyle instills in them. You know, let's run to the ball. Let's get let's get to it. Let's be let's be sound in in, in uh, our responsibilities and things. Uh, so that that's that's that he does a great job. And Dave Landon does a great job with our linebackers. Uh, Austin Weber defensive line, and uh, we got Joel Brawley now, who was a quarterback at Lakeshore for uh, and ran this offense. So you know, he now he can talk our language to our kids. And Which is very, very important. And you've got two very dear friends of mine uh, with, at your JV level, and Mike Nate and Howard yeah, Covio. Right, of course, Mike right. was a longtime coach here at Brandywine. <laughs> and uh, just not only I, I had the pleasure of coaching with both them guys for about 10 years, I, uh, they're both really good friends of mine. I miss Mike. I really do. I just yeah. I miss hanging out with Mike, yeah. you know, just away from – we had so much fun away from, you know, after all the meetings and stuff like that. I really yeah. – I, I miss hang, I just miss hanging out with Bosco, you know. He, he's such a great guy. And uh, so you got them two running your JV yeah, they, program and they, and as well. And they're doing they're doing fantastic. Uh, our numbers are up, so uh, you know I, I think, and, and that's how I tell if a good co what's a good coach. Uh, do you have you know you look at the next year at the next level? Uh, all of those kids who played JV football last year came back, uh, you know, and, and things like that. So if your kids from this year will come back next year, you did a great job as a coach. I mean, as far as a program is concerned, you know, you didn't run anybody off. And uh, not that coaches do that, but, you know, sometimes kids, today's kids are, get a little, uh, you know, they get a little not spoiled, but, uh, you know, they want more than they have earned. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that's – they've done a great job. I, I'm, I couldn't be prouder. In a 55 to nothing win, Coach, I, I'm sure um, a lot of – Credit goes to, I mean, I'm sure the, the wealth got spreaded around a lot lately. Was there anybody that stood out in particular from Friday night's win? Well, I think, uh, I, 
Sam Rucker's stats. And guys you don't see uh, on offense, Carson Clanton, who is our left tackle, I think he had a, he had a really good game. Uh, and sometimes those guys go unnoticed. Defensively, Isaiah Moore had a great game. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, Malachi Burris had, you know, those guys play up front. And uh, Malachi is, mo- is one of those kids who mo- whose motor runs constantly. Uh, I mean, the great thing about him is he'll make a mistake, but it'll be 100 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, you can kind of say, okay, you know, you can kind of fix those guys. It's the guys that who never start their engine that you, you try to worry about. But, uh, uh, you know, and I, I, I think, uh, you know, Max Rucker played well. You know, it's just there's so it, it was a really strange thing. And I've had, what, 42 years worth of openers. <laughs> and this might be the most complete one. Well, there's no doubt. No, no coach wants to say that you played perfect, but it's – you were pretty darn well, close, weren't you? For an opener, yeah, it was it was it was really something special. Uh, yeah, you know, and it beats the heck out of what we did last year in the opener, uh, which was very little. And uh, you know, it, it. But we still, you know, I hope our kids, and and we talked about this. You know, we we want to we want to improve every every week, just as as normal. And the biggest, uh, the, I don't know if I believe this, but I think. It's true that the, the biggest week of adjust, or improvement is that week between one and two. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we, we want to we improve. And, you know, we, we talk now, and I, I'm not trying to be cocky about this, but, you know, our kids, it, it's tough to, I mean, it, it's tough to know what motivates people. But we want to be, we want to go 2-0 and in the smack, and then we want to come and win our conference too. So, uh, you know, it's uh, – it's it's a play on words, but it's something that uh, you know that's our goal this week is to is, is to win at Lakeshore. Yeah, let's and let's get right into that. I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, if anybody that's followed football in this area for the last twenty years, um, it doesn't get much. There's not too many rivals bigger um, when you look at the history in the last. If you just take the last twenty years, um, there's not much love loss between. Niles and Lakeshore. I think probably the only school that maybe hates Lakeshore more than Niles does is St. Joe. Yeah. Um, and then, then there's Niles, and then there's everybody. I mean, everybody hates Lakeshore. Let's yeah. just make um, – but I, I guess I got to ask, what was the tone today in practice? Did we, as you as coach, coming in is like, okay, Friday night's over. You know, did, did you have that moment where you had to ground, bring those kids back to reality? It's like, let's – it's – Friday night don't mean nothing now. We, it's we on had, the lake shore. We had that moment Saturday morning uh, about, uh, okay, we're going to watch film and then put this one to bed, and now we're on the lake shore and, uh, uh, you know, get ready for that. You know, our, our kids do a good job, really, of car, uh, compartmentalizing, you know, this week. You know, they know they have lake and, – and really, they, they've – fortunately, and I'm knocking on wood here <clears> – <throat> We're, we're still new at this. Our, our kids are still new at this as, as far as uh, uh, they don't want to look ahead, you know, because, you know, what's ahead, it, they're still going to be there. So I, I think our focus since Saturday morning has been, you know, let's go into Lakeshore, let, let's do the things that we do, and uh, let's, let's play well and try to get out of there with a win. I know this will be your – you did not play Lakeshore last year, correct? No. So this will be your first as, as far as being a Niles In coach. Niles, yep. Um, but I know that you have plenty of people on your staff with 
with Mr. Landon, Mr. Brawley, yep. uh, Lonnie, they they can put their stamp yep. on on what this means. Mike Nate obviously knows Lakeshore all too well. His brother's the baseball coach there, so it, it doesn't take much to you know. It's kind of like the Bears Packers. I mean, it's right. if you don't if you can't get that this week is just a little extra special. You really maybe don't even deserve, shouldn't yeah. even be wearing that Niles uniform, am I right? Right. Well, and, and those guys have told me all sorts of stories, all sorts of word stories about both St. Joe and uh, Lakeshore and, and things like that. You know, me personally, and, and uh, I haven't played either one of them. I think we played St. Joe at, when I was in Three Rivers, lost 10-7 in a uh, playoff game uh, in 1989 or 88. That was Dyke Muhlenkamp and uh, Rob Fredrickson, who went on to play on Sundays. Uh, and then we lost to uh, Lakeshore 14-7 in 94, I believe. So those were the last times that I had any. And for me personally, the, the it, it's nice to get back on the winning side of that. And uh, uh, But, I, you know, those guys, they, they tell me a lot of stories and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I think our kids – are far enough from removed from them now just in two or three years from being out of that conference that they remember them, but they don't have that vivid. Uh, right. And I, I think that's uh, where I was getting at as to where that's where the Danny Brawleys, the Lonnie right. Jones, the right. Landons, those are the guys that can drive back home to how important right. this week yep. really is. Yep. What does Lakeshore bring from a schematic X and O's point? Well, they throw it around uh, a lot. Uh, you know, they, uh, they, their quarterbacks look decent. They, they play two. And uh, they, they, they throw it a lot. They've come out in a lot of spread types of formation, empty and uh, bunches and, and stuff like that. They'll run the typical uh, zone and zone read and all that stuff up front. And then I, it looks like they have some RPOs, but they'll, it's play action stuff off of it. And uh, they, they put a lot, of, uh, lot of pressure on you to have to cover receivers and things. So, uh, you know, we'll have to – We'll have to buck up there and, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, be creative in, as to how we, how we cover them. But uh, it just comes down to, okay, you know, just don't let them run past you. Keep the ball in front of you and let's get to the, let's get to the quarterback. Well, the one good news is this <coughs> week is you won't have to deal with the heat factor as you had no. to deal with last week. Obviously, we were everybody was supposed to start on Thursday. I don't think – I don't hardly think anybody got to play on Thursday night. Um, we all pretty much got moved to Friday. Um, so it, it does take a, a day away in preparation. Um, and of course, now you're also leading into the Labor Day holiday. Right. Uh, but I don't think that matters. I mean, like I said, it's, it's Lakeshore. I think everybody that's, yeah. that's driving at home, and I'm sure you guys cannot wait for Thursday night. Right, yeah. Well, you, you know, and, and if, if you have a rules-based offense like ours is, uh, it really doesn't matter where they line up your rules going to tell you what to do and uh, our, our kids now I think understand this offense and understand where what it's designed to do and uh, uh, they they love to play and uh, I, you know truthfully I love to watch them so well coach um, best of luck to you first off congratulations on on week one and um, thank you feeding into to you. week two and and um, you know, for, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with Coach Shaw, of course, he coached how many years at Three Rivers? 
19. 19 years, including a state championship. You're already in the Hall of Fame, for those that don't know that. So no. I think you know a thing or two about football, Coach. Well, I've, I've, learned, Niles, a, I've learned a lot along the way. Niles so. is lucky to have gained you, for sure. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. And I appreciate you coming down. I'm looking forward to talking to you every week and can't wish you nothing but the best this week against the Lancers. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Scott Shaw, the head coach of the Niles Vikings. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with Justin Kinsey of the Brandywine Bobcats right here on Coach's Corner live at Wings Etc. here on RC Sportscasting. When it comes to wings, everyone knows size does matter. No one knows it better than Wings Etc. Grill and Pub in Niles. Wings Etc. has the biggest, meatiest, award-winning jumbo wings in town. Choose from a wide selection of signature wing sauces, including our crazy hot habanero wall sauce. If you love wings and a whole lot more, come to Wings Etc. Niles to watch your favorite sports all year long. Wings Etc. Niles, official game fuel for high school sports. Find us at 2008 South 11th Street in Niles or online at wingsetc.com. And we are back, once again, live at Wings, etc. Of course, live doesn't really mean much in a podcast world, but... It's relative. Great conversation with Viking coach Scott Shaw uh, talking about Niles' big 55 nothing romp over St. Joe in week one. And now we're talking with Brandywine head football coach Justin Kinsey. And coach... <sighs> We would much rather be talking about a win. Unfortunately, we got to talk about a loss as the Bobcats went up to Waterville um, and played their hearts out and played a great game. I think for the most part, outplayed Waterville uh, for a good part of the game. But six turnovers uh, are, is hard to overcome, and that was obviously the case as the Bobcats fall 19-6. to And a couple of key injuries that we'll talk about um, also. But, uh, hey, you know, it's That's you got to take the good with the bad. But, yeah, I mean, let I, I guess first things first, Coach, is, is let's talk about the game itself and that, you know, as I said, I think you outplayed them for two-thirds of the football game. Yeah, I agree. I do think um, by the time we got into the fourth quarter, um, you know, our depth really started kind of rearing its head. We have a very, very large freshman and inexperienced sophomore group uh, so when we got into the late third and into the fourth quarter, some of those upperclassmen were really gassed. And, you know, as a coach, I turn around and I see all these fresh freshmen and sophomore bodies on the sideline. But it's like these guys haven't even so much as played a JV game yet. Like I, I, I have an obligation to keep them safe as much as anything else. And, you know, it's it, it was it was definitely a tough one. We were relying on the same sort of 17 to 18 guys for the whole game. Um yeah, I mean, I would agree. I, I do, I think, flat out, you know, first of all, hats off to Waterville lead, hats off to, to you know, the coach up there and those guys. Uh, they did. They played their hearts out. They were a tough team. I think they were they were the better team. They were more physical. They were stronger. They were sure, sure as heck bigger than we were. Um, it was just frustrating to, to look at the stat line and watch the drives and realize that, you know, except for really one drive, every single one of those. And, again, not saying we would have won the game if we hadn't turned those, you know, turned those balls over, but it's like, man, if we would not have had those turnovers, that's a completely different ball game. Well, and especially a couple of them, you were knocking on the door. You were driving and moving the ball and, and threatening to score. I mean, yeah. Um, I missed the first part of the game because with the game getting moved to Friday, I was I had prior commitments. A uh, very dear friend of my wife and I's, their son got married up in Grand Rapids, so that I was like, we got to go to that wedding. We cannot not miss that. So, um, big thanks to Terry Bohr for kind of filling in for play by play. But um, I was able to listen. 
um, to the first half and then through the first half of the th I got there I think about five minutes to go in the third quarter is when I kind of threw the Terry couldn't throw the headset on me fast enough yes, to get he out was of that desperate to get, to get that out headset of that play on. by oh play gosh. seat yeah. um, he did I, a great job he, he was did. so uncomfortable at, oh man he, he knocked did. it out of the park he did but um, you know from listening I mean the defense I thought just just played their hearts out especially in the first half um, and and you know, even the two scores that they had early were just kind of some miscues on just inexperience. I mean, you have Jeremiah Palmer, who just came out, obviously, with, with you know, one of the basketball superstars for Brandywine. This kid has not played football since he was in Rocket. Yeah. And for him to come out there, and, and credit to all of them, but especially for Jeremiah, and, and and to no disrespect to Jeremiah either, of all the basketball kids that came out, he was probably the last one and the most hesitant about coming out for football. Yet I think he had the biggest impact from what I saw on Friday night. I mean, you had him at cornerback. That dude was making plays and sticking people. Um, a couple of the touchdowns were just he just that close, you know, yeah. whether, you know, overreading something or, or whatever. <laughs> And, and that's to no fault of Jeremiah by, by no means, oh, just no, due absolutely. to the inexperience. But I saw then, I think then once I got there, I think that first water of elite drive at the end of the third quarter that I called, you can say that they finally got that running game going. Yeah. And then it, it, it kind of became an uphill battle at that point. But you guys still made one stop, you came back, and then you had that one turnover you know, near the red zone, if not in the red zone. And that was really, I think, the, what broke the camels back there. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like you mentioned, you know, those guys, they had been, you know, they'd been with us off and on. Even last year, they helped us out with a little bit of, you know, running some routes for us. Yes. Um, but even like, you know, they had just started joining up. You know, Jeremiah was the last one, but, you know, Jameer and, and, and Robert and Nylon, you know, got fitted for equipment the day before the scrimmage at Constantine. And, of course, you know, I've been sitting here thinking, like, man, if, if they would have just had one scrimmage of experience first. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it is. It's, it is. It reminds me a lot. Like, there's a lot of, of coaches in the same situation. I know my good friend uh, Darius Mitchell down at South Bend Clay just had a bunch of seniors come out to play football because obviously it's Clay's last year. And it's awesome. I'm excited that he's got all these seniors, but they're seniors that had never played football before. And it is. It, it's just a reminder that, you know, if, if, if you're a freshman, sophomore, thinking about it, you're like, don't, just, just give it a shot. Give it a try. Um, you know, you want to get that experience um, just so you can kind of, you know, get those bumps and bruises and make those mistakes when you're a sophomore on a JV field, not a, uh, not a senior. Um, but, again, I think that, you know, they did such a fantastic job. I think that it's not it, – the game's not even close without those guys playing defense. Um, but, but, I mean, really, Jameer, Jeremiah, Robert had a, a tremendous, tremendous game defensively. Nylon did some things for us offensively, I know. Uh, like, just to start the second half, you know, we had him kind of sprung loose on a, on a little switch route. And uh, the, the DB, I mean, well coached. I, I'd have done the same thing. He was beat, and so the DB just grabbed him and drug him down. And, okay, I'd, I'd rather take 15 than six. before the six. And realistically, if that DB had not drug him down, that would have been a touchdown. Um, but it was just the athleticism that those guys bring to the table was was really next level. And it's wild. If if I were coaching, you know, Highline or lacrosse or anything else, those four are just guys, you know, you could just give them a, a lacrosse stick and say, all right, head out there and, you know, figure it out on the fly, and they'll do it. They're that athletic. Um, but, yeah, it, it was – it was a really good, really good performance. Very promising. Again, I know I keep telling the guys, you know, obviously I, I, I hate losing more than I like winning. I hate losing. 
But um, there was a lot, a lot to look at and a lot to build for. And I think that um, the exciting thing is kind of seeing even coming off the field that night, you know, the energy level, the, uh, you know, the excitement for the next week and the excitement for what's going on in the season. Uh, it, it, it was it was really cool to see those guys out there because I think that you know there's something that again I mean obviously they're basketball superstars they're baseball superstars but it's there's just something different about being in that football locker room man it is it is literally as close as you can get to you know being on the battlefield in the in the in a foxhole somewhere with your brothers uh, but it was really cool to kind of see you know they were kind of lighting up out there and it was really neat to see that to see that little twinkle that you you can see that something started. Oh, absolutely. A, a switch got flipped. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's going to make them that much more dangerous on the basketball court. It's going to make them that much more dangerous on a baseball diamond. Uh, so it is on. But I'm really happy for the guys, again, because at the end of the day, you know, winning or losing, am I expecting to hang a banner uh, from Ford Field in our, in our gym? No, I'd love to, don't get me wrong. But I'm here for one purpose, and that's to give these guys the best experience they can. You know, they're only a high school athlete for four years. Obviously, you know, these guys, a lot of them are going to go on and play at the next level, maybe not football necessarily. Um, but, you know, I just hope that now when they're – fathers and you know they've got you know their uncles and they've got nephews and stuff like that that these guys are like hey man you gotta go you know go play pop warner go play youth football i had so much fun playing football it's just you know getting these guys to to to, to fall in love with the game of football it was really cool to see we talk about the new faces let's talk about the old faces your your heart and soul of your program a lot of guys stepped up had some big games on on friday night um, starting Kevin Roberts, uh, Caden Reith, Carter Sebecki. Um, Kevin Roberts was making plays on both sides. From listening to the game, driving from Grand Rapids to the game before I got on, I, you know, Kevin was just seemed like he was an absolute menace oh, yeah, on, on defense. Caden um, Warfield had some hard runs. Yep. Um, I think if we take that cast off, God knows how many more plays. Uh. And you know what? And make. I know, like, and that's no, it's no fault of anybody's. That's just oh, it's not his you fault. Know, you got to just yeah. battle through that. And I know we were talking about too. Like, gosh, maybe I should have, like, maybe I shouldn't have handed it off to him. He's such a weapon on offense. Oh. Like, for if if we had just removed Warfield from the game, same thing. We would have lost by you know four touchdowns. He just he is. He's Such only, an explosive runner, and he is so good about, you know, some runners, some really, really fast athletic runners, they want desperately to bounce everything and beat you to the edge. Yes. He has no problem. No. He sees that crack in B-gap, and he'll fit that thing. Or or here's the other and I was that's where I was getting at with Caden, is that he's only a sophomore. Yep. Not only does he have the speed, but, like, yeah, if he breaks around, he's not looking – to just tippy-toe out of bounds. He's going to lower his shoulder and try to run your ass over. Yeah, we actually had to go and buy him one of those stinger pads that fits underneath the shoulder because we were, as a coaching staff, like, holy cow, this kid puts his – I mean, he's on the sideline putting his shoulder into people for no reason. <laughs> like, he's, he just – he loves ramming people. He wants to go through people. He craves contact. And that's – again, that's why we run what we run at Brandywine is because he we have a bunch of hard-nosed kids, and I think he really does kind of embody that – um, you know, he's so fast and he's so athletic. It'd be so easy for him to go to a team that's a, you know, two-by-two, three-by-one spread, sling it all over the place. Man, he wants to go through people. He really does. So let's look at the irony when you compare last year's game with Waterville to this year. Yeah. Uh, last year, obviously, going into the season, Kevin Roberts is QB1. He breaks his hand first day at two-a-days. Um, and then, so that that brought up Connor Dye, who was then the QB one after that to start the season. 
So he's QB1 going into the game. Um, he's also starting cornerback for you for us last year. We play on – Waterville gets the opening kickoff, so we're on defense, like fifth play of the game. Connor blows his knee out. So by the time we took our first offensive snap of the season, there's poor Caden Reith, who is our third-string quarterback, emergency quarterback, yeah. who's never taken a snap in a game, is just fed to the wolves. Fast forward now one year, now he is your official starting quarterback. Yeah, and again, I think probably, I mean, one of the most – crystal clear decisions I've made this this season was you know watching him through the offseason there's not a tougher more hard-nosed kid um, you know he'll get dinged on a play and he gets up and shakes it off and goes back to the huddle I mean he's just he's a warrior he's a wrestler I mean he is he's one of those guys if you were to ask him to name his first sport it's it's wrestling he's a wrestler um, and so that that mano a mano man on man kind of mentality he definitely he he loves that stuff um, but you mentioned you know last year you know, we go to our very first offensive drive, and as he's coming off the field, I grab him. He's like, Reith, you got to go to quarterback. What? You're at quarterback. Wait. I, I only know three plays. Wait, Guess what? Guess what three plays we're running. <laughs> and we did. We ran those three plays for a half, and then we, we drew up some more stuff at halftime just kind of teach him. Because last year, just to, you know, for a story for anybody listening here, um, he was basically our emergency quarterback because he's so hard-nosed. It's like, listen, if we're up by 14 and we're trying to protect the lead and we're just going to you know, basically quarterback run and fullback run, we're going to put you in so that, you know, Kevin and or Connor aren't taking any unnecessary hits. So he was basically the, the, the hit tank. He was the guy that we were putting in there to take abuse. And he's just, he was so good at it that, you know, kind of watching him through the offseason and watching, like, he recognized the things that he was weak at. He recognized the things he needed to work at. And just watching all through the offseason, the way that he worked at it, um, it was it was so so easy for me to say, you know, this this guy's. I mean, he's got to be the quarterback. He's got to be the guy that that this offense revolves around. Um, makes really good decisions. More importantly, doesn't make very many bad decisions. Um, and he does a really good job. There's a lot of times. I mean, obviously, we're drawing stuff up in the dirt and making adjustments. He does a really good job of coming off the field. I'll tell him, hey, you know, tell the X to do this, tell the H to do this, and he runs in and communicates it well. So whatever's going on in that huddle, he obviously the guys listen to him. He communicates well. Um, had a really, really, really good game at quarterback, uh, which has us excited. Obviously, has us excited for the future, uh, the next couple of weeks. And then we have our our main piston, our the biggest horsepower, our Rip Wheeler, our our the heart and the just the battering ram of of this offense, and that's Carter Sebecki. Yep. And again, in this offense, I always laugh because we have a lot of freshmen that are we have, we have two freshman fullbacks that are kind of battling out to be the next guy, the heir apparent. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, we'll, we'll go through drills and you see them cut. And it's like, whoa, 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 hang on. What is that? Was that a cut? Like, you're a fullback. You don't cut. You go through people. Like, you have to, you have to just embrace that. Um, and Carter is, I mean, it's, if that hole is not there, if we call a play and something happens and we miss a block and there's a guy there, Carter's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to lower my shoulder into you and I'm going to go through you. Um, and again, like, to to the outsider you look and you say I think he had 31 or 32 yards of offense and you think like oh that's not a very good game but you recognize that because he's such a power running between the guards you're you're committing bodies of the defense to stop him and then that's what opens up the double dive that's what opens up the toss that's what opens up all that off tackle stuff um, you know without him uh, without him pounding the rock inside like he does you know that outside stuff isn't there 
we got to talk about the unfortunate turn of events um, that it just it was literally heartbreaking. Uh, as we mentioned when we re hit the rewind button to Waterville Elite last year, you know it wasn't necessarily the game per se, but Kevin Roberts breaks his hand in, in first day of two a days, and then Connor die you know uh, blows his knee and like on the fifth play of the game on defense. Now fast forward, they're both on. They're both now they're seniors. It's their year. Connor goes down with another knee injury, um, and then early in the first half, and then it, towards the end of the game, I think the last series, maybe second to last series, Kevin um, goes up for a pass, comes down, and, and breaks his ankle. It's, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, I, I wanted to throw up, um, and I know you feel the same way. I mean, I've coached both of these kids. I mean, I, honestly, I, I love these two kids like they were my own. I mean, if they needed a home, to st I would adopt the, the – <laughs> The Connor die, the Brock, the Kevin Roberts. I would literally, if they needed an adopted home, they could live with me. I mean, that's how much these two kids mean to me. And to see that, and and to, I, I can't even fathom how what they're going through. Um, I saw them both today um, before practice. Their demeanor was unbelievable. I was so impressed, yeah. which says a lot about their character. And I looked down at Connor's knee, and it looked like a softball got stuffed underneath his kneecap. I mean, obviously the, the knee injury is legit, but just get your comments on on you know both from Kevin and, and Connor. Yeah. So I mean, obviously we don't know anything official yet. Um, it's it, it's a horrible situation. Again, um, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, obviously both of them being seniors, both of them, you know, do, working so hard to battle back from injuries last year. Um, and again, I, I, like again, this has zero to do with football no. it's just i mean i'm thinking you know for for brock and connor for the two brothers like you only have one chance in your lifetime to to play football together you know to go to high school and, and play high school football together and it's you know obviously brock got hurt in his sophomore year and now you know connor two years in a row and it's just like you know obviously nobody deserves to be injured no if, if you were to list the human beings on this planet that deserve the least to be injured you're right. I mean, the dies a hundred percent fall right on there. And um, again, it's 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 tough because you know, as a head coach, we did the same thing. You know, last year when, when when Kevin hurt his hand and he comes off the field, it's it's you know, it's this horrible dichotomy that you know you want so badly to just hug the kid and cry, but then at the same time, as we're hobbling back to the sideline, you see this team of you know Connor has been such a leader this entire off season. And as we're limping off to the sideline, you can see all of those freshmen and sophomores that in that moment are like, oh, my God, I don't want to play football anymore. You know, and it's, you know, you got to try to you got to try to be positive. You got to try to, you know, uh, you know, keep keep the wheels on, so to speak. Um, but it's it, it's it's tough. It is. I've, I've definitely I've been really emotional about it this weekend. Um, obviously, you know, I've got two sons and, you know, my my older son was was in an accident as a baby. So, you know, I'm sitting here now and this is my first time I'm coaching on the sideline with my son as a freshman. And it's like, you know, my my boys are never going to get this experience. And you know, here's, you know, Brock and Connor. It's the same thing. Like you know, it's been three years and I'm sure that all they've wanted to do is, you know, play on the football field together. And just because of circumstances, it's it's always, you know, this has happened and it's just it's so it's it's absolutely sickening and you know same thing with Kevin you see just like oh my god you know the guy was you know he was all over the place and he's fought so hard and he is he's such a spark plug and he just a lot of the things he does on a football field aren't what's drawn up on the playbook it's just him having an instinct him having a competitive spirit um, 
And then again, just to, I mean, just again in that moment. I mean, we were still in a ball game at that point. You could see, again, just for that being the second leader to go down, you could see the entire. I mean, you even if you watch the film, you can see the demeanor of our our hits. All of a sudden, got a little soft. Our blocks got a little soft. Our our team was just they were shell shocked. It was, it, it was as close as you can get to being on a civil war battlefield. And you see the general slump down in the in the horse and. All of a sudden, you know, all the soldiers start to start to waver and throw their rifles down. It, it kind of felt like that. And, uh, I mean, rightfully so, because those two guys have been such leaders for us this entire offseason. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks. God, it sucks. I, I wish that there was something more eloquent I could say. It's just it's, it is a sucky, sucky situation. I don't think you can say that there is a silver lining to this scenario. Um, if there is anything that positive that comes out of it, is that, and we've talked about this in, in other podcasts that, that you've done with me, is that if there are two players that are on this team that you see being coaches in their future, it's Kevin and Connor. I yeah. mean, we talked about this in the last podcast, literally. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we hope for the best, but if the worst happens, yeah. you've gained two very good coaches to your staff. Yeah. To your staff. Oh, absolutely. And for me, I mean, personally, at this point, again, like I said, it's not even about the football. I'm just no. hoping, like, whatever those injuries are, I hope that they, they're both good for basketball. I hope they're both good for spring sports. I mean, obviously, Kevin is a tremendous, tremendous pole vaulter. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Connor plays baseball. Um, you know, at this point, like, I just I, I don't want them to, to miss a senior yeah. season. Whatever it is, I just I hope that they recover quickly, and I'm just knocking on wood and, and, and you know, praying for, you know, my, my – my family spent a lot of money on Catholic schools, so it's like, all right, hey, like let's let's say those prayers and hope that it it, uh, it pays back, that we've got a direct line somewhere to somebody. But it's it's definitely a, a really bad situation. I showed up at school today, and I see them both, and and Connor's the first, and you know, I just I couldn't hug him quick enough, but yet he's the first one to hug me. He put his arm around yeah. me first, and and to see his demeanor, you know, and the way he's handling it, just. Mm-hmm tells you the kind of person he is and it all starts with his mom and dad and the way that he's raised um, and then Kevin you know here's you know Kevin should be equally demoralized and yet he's bringing his younger brother to me you know getting him his brother yeah. younger brother to come out and play middle school football and introduce and making sure that his I got his brother all taken care of that's yeah. the first thing he was doing today you know instead of just moping and and mm-hmm. sulking about what which both of them have every right to just kind of climb in and crawl into a hole and just dis- go underwater for a while. I know, I don't know, that's probably what I would do. Um, so just hats, I, I don't want to keep, you know, talking about this, you know, negative situation, but um, but I think a lot of it just shows the character of both those kids. Oh, 100%. It just shows the, 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 the metal that those kids are made out of. It shows the family. It shows the upbringing. It shows the way they were raised. Uh, and, again, it's, you know, they – yeah, they're they're exceptional young men, but it's it's what I love about Brandywine is there's a whole lot of whole lot of kids in this community that have that same mentality, and like you had mentioned, you know I, I spend all weekend moping and you know like God, how am I going to make a positive of this? And then you show up, and those two guys are so positive about it, it almost makes you feel guilty. Like God, these are better these are better kids than I am. Like these like these are better people than I am, and I'm just proud to be proud to be associated with them and proud to have them uh, as a part of our our program and our community. Well, when you get a loss, uh, to put my coaching hat back on, you know, the, the thing that you got to do as a coach is you got to learn from losses. We take what happened Friday night, we learn from it, and we move on to week two. There's never a bigger – ironic, I, I posted this on, on our social media page, and Scott Shaw from the 
coach of the Vikings even said it too, there's no bigger improvement in a football team than there is between week one and week two. Oh, absolutely. So uh, that's the other thing we got looking. We travel, we're on the road again. We're taking on Cassopolis, um, a program that's down, but yet can't overlook them. <coughs> oh, yeah. They're, they've got they're speed. Tough kids. They've got some athletes. Yeah. It's, it's a game that if you go in and you take them lightly, you, mm. you're going to get punched in the mouth because I've been – I've covered Brandywine football. I've coached Brandywine football for almost 20 years. One thing I can tell you about Cassopolis, those kids are tough as nails. You know, they may not be the most athletic, but they're going to fight you. Oh, absolutely. It is. It's even last year. You know, last year we, we, we handled them, but there's multiple points through that first half that you realize, like, whoo, if we didn't make that tackle, that's off to the races. Like, oh, man, oh, we're, we're lucky that that quarterback overthrew that pass because that kid was open. I mean, you realize from a coaching perspective, you know, you look at the scoreboard, you look at the stats, and you think it's a, you know, it's a whooping. But as a coach, you realize, like, these guys are. They are one play away from getting that shot of energy and getting right back into it. And it's, it's again, you know, you have to, like you said, you put the wheels back on, you fix the mistakes, you identify the mistakes. You, you know, this is going to be the one, the, probably the one week that we make the most personnel adjustments and move people in new spots. Um, but, I mean, we know, I mean, even with last year, you know, God, if, though, if that team had two or three more, like, just healthy bodies on the sideline, it's a completely different ball game. They just they they ran out of bodies. They were too thin. They didn't have the ability to. You know, they had kids that were hurt, and they were subbing in kids that were, you know, still a little banged up themselves. You know, if they have two extra, three extra bodies, it's a completely different ball game. And you know, you look at that team this year, and I mean, they got one of those backs that kid can block. Man, he's that full that the, the fullback, the um, the tight end. He does a really nice job coming out of the back. I mean, if we. If we fall asleep, they'll they'll hurt us. It's definitely a game that we got to be on our toes. Are they like last year where they're going to kind of split up between the, the straight tee and then occasionally spread it out from time to time to throw the ball, or are they pretty much a predominantly straight tee now? What, what do they bring at you schematically? Yeah, so, I mean, it looks like they run mostly like a split back. They have a little bit of split back gun and a little bit of split back under center. Uh, I don't know that it's it's not you know it's not like the true split back veer, um, but it's you know it's all, it's all predetermined calls. But again, they it looks like they're a team that they want to try to get you off tackle. They want to try to beat you to the edge, and then the minute you start you know getting those force players involved in the run too much, they're going to hit you over the top. Um, they'll take deep shots, but they're they're very patient. They're a team that they'll they'll work those screens, they'll work those short routes. Um, you know, there that's that's a, a coach that will take a five yard gain, say thank you, line up and run the exact same play again. I know a guy like that. I I do. So yeah. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, man. I I'll tell you what though. I passed uh, I passed quite a you bit. You did. Even, even my my quarterback coach, Coach Moore, was like, I thought we were I thought we were a, an option team. I showed up and you're a well, you're Mike Leach over I, here. I got to say, all over the place. I got to say, Coach, you you opened up the playbook pretty good. Friday night. Yeah, it's you, uh, you mixed up very well. I did. I'm, I'm I'm proud of, and I think a lot of that is again not just necessary. I mean, it's a whatever. Okay, I call the plays. Whatever anybody can call the plays. It's the fact that these guys, these players, you know, last year we, you know, I mean, in Michigan, oh my God, you have no off season of which to speak. So by this time last year, we only knew maybe five plays in our entire playbook. We're at a point now where we know our big five. We've actually expanded our big five to have a couple extra tags. We've got our complimentary plays. We've got our entire passing package already in. So it's like. We're basically at week one play-wise right now where we were week seven, week eight of last year. Um, it's exciting. It's just, again, I mean, Coach Shaw will tell you. I know Coach, Coach Curtis down at Warsaw says the same thing. When you're a triple option team, it is, it's a weird offense. It's something oh. these kids don't see on the NFL. They don't see in college. 
Um, it takes a little while for them to get the hang of it, but when they get the hang of it, it's it, it's it's an explosive well, offense. Well, don't say too much because now our, our our rival head coach of the Buchanan Bucks, Mark Fry, is sitting right next to you, coach. So don't don't talk don't talk <laughs> too much. It's okay. I remember last year we had an injured player on the field, and he he's, was he's the first over. He, he was on the field like, hey, you got to get so and so in, and we got to run like, hey, how about we discuss this at a time that the opposing coach isn't standing <laughs> right over us? Oh, I didn't even see him. That's how classy Mark is, is that he's always one of the – and one yeah. of his opposing opponents is injured. Mark Fry is normally one of the first ones to make sure he's okay. Yeah, no, definitely. Mark, Mark and I, we've had a great relationship ever since coming up here from Indiana. Always love texting in the offseason. Uh, it's always it's fun to It's hard to dislike Buchanan when they got a guy like this. It is. And, again, like I'm, I'm, I'm an Indiana guy, so, like, I don't have any animosity. Like, no. the, I know the Brandywine, the Hatfields and the McCoys, the, oh, yeah. the Brandywine Buchanan. Like, I'm looking across like, man, I, I love this guy. Like, this is a great coach. It's a great program. It's, it's hard not to respect what they're doing over there in Buchanan. Well, I guess we can kind of segue that. We'll wrap up with you, and, and we'll, uh, we'll talk with Coach Fry here in a minute. But uh, before I let you go, best of luck. Uh, we'll be there this week um, at Cassopolis Thursday. Real quick, I know with the heat last week, JV got canceled. Is there even a JV option this week? I know Cast is not. Or is the JV's playing anybody this week? Yeah, so we actually we're going to play Edwardsburg on uh, Wednesday, and that's why with all of the delays we ran into in Michigan, you can only play one game in five days. Right. So if we had played on Saturday, we would have had to have canceled the Wednesday uh, Edwardsburg game because that would have been two games in five days. So our only option was to basically schedule a double header and play our JVs and our varsity on the same night. And we're still, we're just so thin that, you know, those, those four starting JV linemen are the depth for our varsity right. guys. Uh, so we just, we couldn't have safely done it. I know we had a couple of JV guys that, that played, you know, a quarter or two. They wouldn't have been able to play at all because you can only play four quarters in a single day. Uh, so we had to cancel the, the Water Elite JV game, but we have a JV team. We're scheduled to play the rest of the season. We have eight JV games from here on out. So Great. That's awesome. That'll be huge for, for development, too, because, uh, again, like we talked about, it's you know getting these young guys some experience. I, I keep telling – I get it. Like, I want to win. I, I hate losing. But I keep telling these guys, like, listen, all I need to see is I just need to see you on the field competing and see how you do at certain positions so that if I need to move you to a new spot, I can do that. That's that's what the JV is about is it's about, you know, developing those guys and giving them the experience. With that fifth quarter, if you have an eight-game regular season in the JV and every one of those JV guys manages to get a fifth quarter, that literally equals two full entire additional games of, of high school football that they, those guys get to play in a single season. So we've got to do a better job of, uh, of taking advantage of that so we can develop this young talent. Well, Coach, best of luck Thursday. Uh, Cassopolis at Cass. Kickoff 7 o'clock. You can hear all the action of that game live on rcsportscasting.com. We'll be online at about 6.50 for pregame. Best of luck, and we will see you back here next Monday for Coach's Corner. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, and uh, go Cats. Coach Justin Kinsey of the Brandywine Bobcats. Coming up next, we will talk Buchanan Bucks football with head coach Mark Fry right after this. When it comes to wings, everyone knows size does matter. No one knows it better than Wings Etc. Grill and Pub in Niles. Wings Etc. has the biggest, meatiest, award-winning jumbo wings in town. Choose from a wide selection of signature wing sauces, including our crazy hot habanero wall sauce. If you love wings and a whole lot more, come to Wings Etc. Niles to watch your favorite sports all year long. Wings Etc. Niles, official game fuel for high school sports. Find us at 2008 South 11th Street in Niles or online at wingsetc.com. 
All right, and we are live at Wings Etc. for our first edition of Coach's Corner for the 2023 football season, bringing back a show my dad, RC1, started many years ago back on WNIL where we always talked to our three local coaches. And we've talked with Coach Shaw about Niles football. We just got done talking to Coach Kinsey about Brandywine, and now we will talk Buchanan football with Coach Mark Fry. Coach, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, like Justin, uh, you never really want to sit and talk about a loss, but that's what we have to do as uh, um, you guys went up to uh, – you guys had a weird, weird thing, but you had to go up to play at Saugatuck, uh, and you lose 25-13. to 13. Like everybody else, tended for Thursday, got moved to Friday, but you had a little twist. You didn't get to wait till 7 o'clock Friday night to play. You guys played at 12 noon. What justified that? That's, that's my first question. Yeah, so obviously Thursday night we got up there. It was like 73. It was beautiful. We're like, oh, we're going to play this game. No one else is going to play. And then all of a sudden storms rolled in, and the lightning came in and, and just started hammering us every 30 minutes. So uh, we were talking about moving the game. Obviously, naturally, 7 p.m. on a Friday. Let's do it. And they were like, well, we have Friday night light soccer. Um, so we played the game because they're the host, and so it ended up being a noon game. Uh, they were requesting us to play about 10 a.m., and I'm like, listen, we got an hour drive. We're going to get home at 11.30 p.m. tonight. I'm not turning around and putting the kids on the bus at 6 a.m. Uh, if we're going to have a fair game, we're going to play at noon. Yeah. So, and as I said, unfortunately, um, you guys go up there and uh, lose to Saugatuck, which – what, what is their nickname now? Trailblazers. Trailblazers. It used to be the Indians, 25-13. Uh, to 13. Um, Obviously, this is was your first game uh, without signal caller Connor Legault, who's been your field general for the last two years. Your new play caller is now? Uh, Jake Franklin. So, so he's a soft, uh, excuse me, junior. He's been under Connor for the three years Connor started. So I think it's – he's ready for it, and he didn't have a bad night. I mean, he finished – 121 yards, touchdown, 50%. So he had a, he performed uh, what a junior-level quarterback should do. As, as a coach, and no disrespect to him, just kind of re retro back to what you've had the last two years. I mean, Connor's, as an opposing coach and going against oh, yeah. you, I, I've seen, you know, Connor in front of my own eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, those, those – I mean, he came in under kind of a weird scenario uh, when Zelmer went down. And right. then – but he took the job, and he, and he never looked back, and he was your field general from right – from the get-go, you know, yeah. right when Zelmer went down, and he, and he did an amazing job. Yeah, Connor was unique because he was a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, you know, not the most conventional thrower, but he definitely could produce the numbers. He broke all our quarterback records, uh, but he's definitely a third running back back there too. So just having that ability to pull at any point kept the teams honest over the other side. So having more of a pocket passer is a little bit different for us. How did the game go on, on Friday? I want to say Friday night, but Friday afternoon. Yeah, um, um, it was all right. I mean, like, we don't want to lose. Obviously, we have a lot of sophomores playing right now. Um, we have a few injuries we're working through, and we actually acquired an injury in the middle of the game that required a sophomore linebacker to join in. So, you know, uh, you're playing a, a T team. You got to stop the trap. I thought we did that well. They answered back with a midline, which we weren't really prepared for because I hadn't seen it. Uh, but, you know, one missed tackle, and you're going to run for a long way. And so we missed a tackle on that one, missed the tackle on another one. Uh, two touchdowns, I think, were miscues that we shouldn't have given up. Obviously, a fade ball, two seconds left. You should expect that. Uh, we'll, we had a learning curve. And we're going to fix it, and it'll be good. 
And then we had a botched field goal that we went all out to block to, to keep us in the game. And, of course, uh, quarterback picked it up and chucked and ducked oh, it. Oh, wow. Got it. So so the game, I just from just from what you just yeah. said, game a hell of a lot closer than what the scoreboard. I mean, even though the scoreboard didn't indicate that you got blown out, but, yeah. I mean, this this seems like this is anybody's ball game. Yeah, just two plays, really. Statistically, we outmatched them. I mean, we outran them. We outthrew them. Uh, just four strong plays on their part, and that's how football works, you know. It's not always the consistent team that's going to win, and um, you got to play every down. You talk. You've talked already a lot about the youth that you have. What are some of the older leaders that you do have that are returning? Yeah, we have a solid backfield. We have three solid running backs, two seniors and one uh, junior. Uh, our receiving core, we have a senior returner. So, um, and our one running back plays tight end when we're in the spread. So. We have a lot of guys who can fill in, and our O-line has got three solid seniors on it as well. Uh, it's just trying to mesh together. I think we're still one guy away. You know, like, here's one play, that guy messes up, it costs us. The next play is another guy. So if we can all get consistent and do our jobs, we're going to be fine. I can, att can attest, um, you, you've, got, you've done a great job watching, just following you on social media on Twi X. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to call it Twitter, but you do a phenomenal job and promoting Buchanan football on there. But I also see a lot, too, of all of the off-season works that you do. I'm also a member at Redbud Fitness, and it seems like every time I'm in that weight room, I think about half your football team is in that weight room. I'm like, do these kids get a free membership here right. or what? Yeah, no, our kids have done well. Uh, we challenge them. I mean, we have morning lifting tomorrow. It's game week. We still morning lift. So our kids work hard. Um, you know, I think it's a balance. You gotta be able to move as well. So some kids probably in the weight room too much, uh, which is not a bad thing, I guess, because it could be worse. Uh, but our guys work hard. Uh, we like the social media just because, you know, they're not gonna all go play college. And, and I coached college for a little bit and I thought the best thing we did was highlight kids. So if I can treat these kids just a little bit like they got treated at the college level, maybe they'll uh, enjoy it a little bit more. And you do a great job. Justin as well, I think both of you uh, do a huge, I mean, Social media is for so much a root of so much evil, in my opinion, in the world. But there is a way to use it in a positive fashion. I think both you and Justin do that. You use social media to your advantage and for the good um, to promote not only your kids but also your program, your community. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think you do a phenomenal job um, with that. This is the first time you and I have actually had to talk, you know, in this, in this type of environment. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've grown up, you know, watching, you know, and not only broadcasting Buchanan football, but watching, you know, from the Mike Young days and, and for so many years, Frank Mucha. How, for you to embrace, I mean, Buchanan football is special. I mean, I'm, I, yes, I'm a Brandywine guy now. I coach here. But still, I, I respect the hell of, of what Buchanan means and, and what that community, how that community is. I, I, many, many dear friends of mine. Uh, that are like family come from Buchanan. So, uh, how has it been now? This is what, your fifth fifth year. Gosh, man, I'm getting old. <laughs> Already five years. So you you've gotten a taste of, of what that community is. Oh yeah, I think that was the draw. I mean, when you start looking at jobs, and we were trying to get back from Ohio, my wife and I, and interviewed all over. But you know, when you come to this town, it's a one school town, which I know that's uh, different for Niles. Yeah. And, 
And when you have one school and everything shuts down on Friday nights and everything's painted on the windows, bucks. I mean, it's close it's to Friday night. It's good old Americana, Americana USA. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that's a great, great example, yes. And, and I tell the kids, this is very special. They don't realize how special it is because even if we're great or not so good, the stands are always packed at our stadium. I mean, there's not a night where I don't go, man, this crowd's big. Right. And I think our kids have a real unique experience that even, you know, playing in Elkhart, we didn't always have on away games and things like that. So um, they don't realize it, but, you know, we try to remind them every day. We try to bring alumni back. You know, we have guest speakers every week. And we're trying to make sure they understand that the bigger picture is not just us on X and O's on Friday night. It's, there's a crowd that we're playing for, too. When you talk about bringing back former players to talk, What's some of the ones like some ones that have stood out that you think that have really hit home with the kids? You think? Uh, you know, it's funny. It's not necessarily the, the young guys that we bring back that hit home with them. It's usually the elderly gentlemen who you know they were either a coach for a long term and or they played and were like all state or all American back when that still existed right. around here. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where it hits home is because then those kids see. It wasn't just high school. They they went on and did like military, or they're involved in the community, or you know they went to college or union or trades. Like we had trade representative here last Thursday talking about unions and and how you don't have to just go to college. And I think that's so big for our kids to see that the world's so much bigger. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just to get off that, I mean that I think the trades to get away from sports altogether. I mean, I, I think that's such needs to be brought to to the schools at so much more than what it currently is because you have so many kids now that are just burying themselves in student loan debts right. and and still even not know what they want to do and now they, they still don't know what to do and now they've got $50,000 of school loans hanging over their heads right. that they're smothering where in the trades they basically pay you to go to school. They pay for your degree and they're a lot of the ones out here and these kids don't you don't even think about retirement probably until you're in your 40s. You know, you, you really don't. Um, but they're one of the few things that still offer that, that retirement, pen, that union pension. Those are very rare now. Um, and I don't think these kids really know that. I mean, hell, a lot of us adults don't know how unique that is. And I think that needs to be a thing that needs, really needs to get driven home to some of these high school kids for yep. sure. So that was a great one. Um, you know, we've brought in the mayor. We've brought in police chiefs. We've brought in all sorts of people. And, you know, we do bring in the players, too, because obviously everyone's alumni usually tied to it. Uh, but I try to bring in even local coaches from other spaces that have had success. You know, we're going we're gonna to try to call some other people that maybe just retired recently and maybe want to come over and speak to our guys. So, Have you talked with Joe Austin at all? I haven't talked to Joe. I met him once, and I've like obviously Mr. Young all the time. We've yeah. had him come out. He's Mike's, a great guy. He's a he's a staple at Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what athletic event, you can rest assured you're going to see Mike Young there for sure. You know, I I think that looking back at Joe Austin's days, but when when I got into broadcasting, Joe um, coached at Buchanan for a little while, and I'll never forget one of the one of the games that. I will never forget, and I tell people this all the time, um, was, and I, I don't remember what year it was, but Buchanan had a hell of a team that year. They make the playoffs. That's when uh, Clinton Iron Ore was one of our the studs, and then you had Marquise Hall was the other running back. And they qualified for the playoffs, beat Battle Creek Penfield in, in the first round, and then had to go up and play Jackson Lumen Christie. And 
that's when Jackson Lumen Christie was. I mean, even more. I mean, that was one of the dominant programs in all of the southern, even bottom half of the lower peninsula. I mean, they were one of the most dominant football programs in the area. Here comes small town Buchanan onto their home field. And I think their fans just thought that this was going to be a, a 55 to nothing, you know, whop and move on to next week. And the Bucks gave them everything they could handle. And it ended up being uh, 28 to 21, I think, was the final score. And I remember, the, I, I still remember this vividly. It was a rainy Friday night, and Buchanan was driving down, trailing by a score. And they went for it on a fourth and one. It was a quick pitch out to Marquise. All he has to do is cut, and he's got the first. He's probably going to have about a 10-yard gain. When he makes his cut to go up to head north, he slips. Turnover on downs, and that's it. But what really stuck out with me with that game was the way their stadium was structured. I don't know if it still is now, but both teams, the locker rooms were underneath the home bleachers. And then the entrance was right in the middle, kind of like how St. Joe is now. And when Buchanan came off that field, the Jackson Lumen Christie fans gave them a standing ovation. That's crazy. It, I, I, it, was, a, it was a moment that I'll never forget, um, and just the amount of class and respect that Jackson Lumen Christie gave. Um, so I, I think I just wanted to bring that up because that's, yeah. that's still that was, that's a game in, in my years of broadcast. That's one game that will always stick in my mind for sure. So as I talked with Coach Kinsey, you know, obviously we, we with losses you learn the best thing to do as a coach is we got to learn from the losses and, and to improve. The biggest improvement in a football season always seems to be from week one to week two. We learn from our mistakes here in week one. Now we move to week two to face an old common foe. Haven't played them in a while. In fact, they didn't even have varsity football last year, which I never thought I would say. But we, you're going to go take on the Coloma Comets, who last year, as I said, did not have a varsity program. They did play JV. I think they've done a pretty good job of, of turning things around there. They're, they're going to be a pretty a, a problem for you. I mean, it's, they're, they're, that's a great turnaround. For, I guess what I'm getting at is not saying that, th that you guys are going to be the underdog by no means, but I guess what I'm getting at is that for a program that didn't have varsity last year to now this year, they're not a bad football team. No, it's definitely a, it's a game you got to keep an eye on. You can't slouch on this one. Uh, they got about 30 kids out, it looks like, when you look at the sideline. And a lot of the guys are playing that are sophomores and juniors. There's not very many seniors out there. Right. So they have experience from last year. The speed is faster than last year is what I'll notice on film is that they still seem like they're a little bit step off. So if we can keep on them with our speed, hopefully we can do some nice things. Um, their running back is very talented. They got a huge tight end, defensive end. So there's going to be things that we got to prepare for. I know who um, you're talking about, yeah, too. he's a big kid. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think our guys got to realize that a lot of our mistakes last week that we talked about are 100% controllable. And if we can just come out and fire off and do our jobs like we know we can, then we should take care of business. What did they bring X's and O's wise? Uh, a lot of jet motion, power read, um, some play action, like tight end dump type things. Uh, again, number four is real talented. I think his name's Trayton Myers. You know, good, fast kid, slippery. Um, not very big, but he does move well and, and can be very elusive. So we're going to have to wrap up and, and do our job. Um, but, you know, I think there's some tendencies out there that we like and that we're going to try to take advantage of and use those to our defensive advantage. Well, I know for hands-on personally that you do a great job of that, and I know that they, from their standpoint, if I'm asking their head coach the exact same question about you 
I know personally from being a secondary coach at Brandywine and getting prepared for you, you will throw everything but the kitchen sink um, in formation-wise. I mean, it's like <laughs> preparing for Brandywine or for Buchanan on film, it's like normally you get about four, five, six plays, and you're like, okay, we got – with you it's like 30. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we – But we that's a, a credit to yeah, you and your staff. We have a great system. I think our kids, you know, it's one-word system that changes one formation from one word. So, you know, our kids finally bought into that after the first year, really got into it, and I think they love it. I think they like the idea that this week we could be number three, but next week could be number one. And just the versatility of what that can allow us to do with weapons – um, you know, if we got a fast kid who matches up better with your linebacker, we're going to try to move him around. Um, but if you look at the big picture, the plays are the same. I mean, we're still running counter and power. That's, I mean, we're not, we're not rewriting anything. We're not coming out in a totally different offense. Uh, I mean, we added the wishbone last year as a changeup, which I'm sure was definitely a wrinkle people didn't expect. Uh, but we needed a goal line presence. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of shotgun on the one-yard line. Yeah. And we're not great under center with one back. So – we added that in, and it's been a nice, versatile change. Um, you know, Coach Shaw gave us a little credit from last year's game. At halftime, we came out, and all we ran was the wishbone, and it changed the whole dynamic of the game. So uh, I know we're challenging, um, and I appreciate that compliment because I know that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to outmatch your 16-year-old, not you, Coach. You know, right. We're trying to make oh, your kid line up wrong yeah. and take advantage of the gap. Um, since this is our first opportunity to talk, uh, talk to us about your staff. Uh, I love my staff. You know, most of them have been here all five years. It's been really, I think, a strong staple of our program to have our guys be around for five years and just be consistent. And the kids know what they're going to get. They know who they see at morning lifting. Uh, this year, fortunately, our our business office was able to identify that we were actually behind in the times. We were running with four coaches. And so they were able to give me a varsity coach and another JV assistant. So we were able to fill that with uh, Coach Randy Brooks from Edwardsburg. He was their D coordinator for 19 years. He's not bad. He's not bad. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought he did a great job on the first game. I mean, they came out, and, yeah, there were missed tackles that were the first two ta touchdowns, but he had an answer, and he got those kids to believe. And I, we didn't give up another rushing touchdown the rest of the game. And I think that's a big deal, especially when you play the T. Who's your JV coaches? Uh, we have Coach Kemp and uh, Joe Kemp, who was at Brandywine yep. at one point, and then we have Ryan Franzak helping out this year running the defense because he's friends with Randy and knows Randy, played for Randy. Right. So, I look at your schedule, and I mean, you're, you might as well call it you can, you're the Bucks, but you might as well call yourself the Road Warriors because obviously um, you were at Saugatuck. That's, that's a long road trip in itself. You do get the friendly confines of Memorial Field uh, this week as your uh, home game against Coloma, but then you're right back on the road at Kent City and at Benton Harbor. Those are two very formidable opponents. Those are two tough road trips after that. I know you got to get through Coloma first, but I'm looking at your schedules like, holy crap, you know, three out of your first four games are, are on the road. Yeah, fortunately for Kent City, we were able to play at Hope. So we take a three-and-a-half-hour drive and cut it down to one. So that's that's a lot better for us. Um, they're very talented. It's hard to tell what they got because their conferences seem a little bit maybe weaker up there. Yeah. Um, but they're talented. They've been in the playoffs the last six years. You can't slouch on them. Obviously, the Tigers have definitely been on the rise. For they sure. They have some talent. And every year, Coach Nelson seems to have them lined up a little bit tighter and better. Um, you know, 
I think that's a tough team. I think they're physical. They're fast. Um, you know, I try to use my formations to, you know, right. do some confusion there. Uh, but he's got them playing well. Well, and then shoot, and I'm looking at your schedule. So then after that, then you obviously will play Brandywine at home, and then you're back on the road for two more games, um, you know, at Berrien and at Bronson. So, you know, like Brandywine, you're going to do a lot of, of traveling. I know, you know, Brandywine, to begin the season, had f only four home games. Now we only have three because with Hart with what happened with Hartford, now we lost. So now we're only going to end up having three home games unless we can find an opponent um, by them, but I highly doubt that's, you know, this late in the game. So... Um, Coach, best of luck to you this Friday, or excuse me, this Thursday um, at Coloma. And I, I guess I should have asked, um, I should have asked the other two, but I'll ask you because obviously you're you're in the school as well. How big is it for you as a coach to when school to finally have school start to get a little bit of normalcy now, where you have school then practice? Is it more of a, a relief to you to get a little bit more of, a, or do you prefer the? the practices when you're not in school or or does it does it feel better now that's to get in, into a normal yearly routine with, with school included yeah, I think it's a great question I think you know the first day is always hard because they're yes. tired from eight hours of school and then they come out and then they're like oh man we got two hours of practice so I think once you get into your rhythm it's better I, I like to have tabs on the kids I, I don't like thinking that they're at the beach all day and coming into a game tired um, or up all night playing Xbox yeah, or exactly. PlayStation. And that's what you get in the summer. And so, you know, last week we were challenging them, like, hey, you got to go to bed, especially when we reschedule. Like, you got to go home and go right to bed. But at least when school's in session, you kind of have an idea. And then, again, with morning lifting, like, our kids kind of get it now. Like, you got to go to bed. Like, if you're going to wake up at 6, it's not going to be easy to go to bed at 2. So I really do think once we're in school, it's better. I like having the ability to see our kids at all times. We have 58 kids out. I That's mean, awesome. It's, there's a ton of kids, and you've got to keep track of them and got to keep their grades up. So having them in the building is definitely better. Well, best of luck to the Comets on Thursday night, and then we will see you back here a week from now and hopefully be talking about a Bucks win. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Coach Mark Fry of the Buchanan Bucks. That's going to wrap things up here for our first edition of Coach's Corner here. We want to thank Jeremy and his staff from Wings, etc., for being a gracious host. And uh, we will be back next week for round two of Coach's Corner here on the RC Sportscasting Podcast. Best of luck to all of our teams. We'll see you next Monday. Good night. For the best in high school sports, RC Sportscasting.